Welcome guys to the Trying Podcast. My name is Nanini and on this podcast I'll be sharing with you the steps that I'll be taking to try and get over my fears and get out of my comfort zone. Hi, it's November 21st on Tuesday, 2023. Um, today, today's episode is a continuation of a question I had during the 11th hour episode study. So it was a study. So during the 11th hour study, I asked myself a question after coming across the effort. And the question was, okay, where where did I come across the effort? In First Samuel chapter 30, I read David and his soldiers who fought the, were they the Amalekites? I think they were the Amalekites. And so in that episode, um, David asked the priest of the time, I don't know who was the priest of that time, um, he asked the priest to send him the ephod so that he can, he can, um, he can con, he can ask of God on whether to pursue the Amalekites that that um, attacked their their homes and kidnapped their 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 children and their women and their like their things. So he wanted to inquire of God, and he asked for the ephod. Now I had come across the ephod in my other studies. I think garments. What did I title that episode that I studied garments? New dawn, honeymoon phase. During those, like those episodes. Um, new dawn, honeymoon phase. Well, I was where I was studying about the garments of skin, the garments from Genesis, like the garments of skin. Kind of studying, just like pole pole. Because <laughs> they are not like deep studies. It's just that I take time to think and ask myself questions. That's why they take too long. I don't consider them deep. I just think, because I'm asking myself, like, okay, Ogisama, you studied the garments of skin. Like, is it a deep dive? No. But it's a start, right? It's a, it's, it's a start. Well, that's a hard thing. It's a start. Okay. So during those episodes, I came across the effort. Um, where God in Exodus directs Moses to tell Aaron and his clan, the Levites and the his sons, what to do when it comes to and how to to like the do's and don'ts when it comes to like the tent of meeting. But I think mostly it's about like how what is the tent supposed to be made of? What is supposed to be in the tent? What garments are the priests supposed to be to be wearing? They need to also be um, what's this thing like, an anointed, like the instructions. God gave instructions, and among those was the breast piece, breastplate, breast piece. And comes the garments of the the priests and the ephod. Now, in the eleventh hour episode study, I asked myself. Is the effort pointing towards 
the Holy Spirit? Like, is it pointing to the Holy Spirit and his work? Like, okay, I should stop saying, like, when I think about the ephod, if David is using the ephod, he's not the only one, right? But if David is using the ephod to inquire of God, and that is the time where the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody for a short, brief period of time to perform a task and then leave them. He would not like live in them like how Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit is living in us, like dwelling in us as the house, like we are the temple now. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. But at that time, the Holy Spirit was like um, descending and empowering somebody to perform a task. Like for example, there are some artists who are given the work to build the temple and not yeah, but like design the ornaments of the temple. So the question is, is the effort is there any um legitimacy? Like is there any truth to that question? Like might the effort be pointing to the Holy Spirit and something about the Holy Spirit? And I told myself think exclamation exclamation. So I've been I think it's last week or last week but one. I don't remember exactly. I haven't written the date. But I started asking myself a question like, okay. <laughs> Actually, I started way off and I don't think I'm going to talk about this. Maybe it's another, I don't know if this is private, but I started asking myself about the overshadow. Because during my, well, it's, it's connected, Kidogo. While I was studying the overturn episode, before recording it just me studying and writing down these brief brief notes i i read numbers chapter 18 verse 7 and i came across it's saying let me read it and you and your sons and you and your sons with you shall and you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar and and that is within the veil. And you shall serve. What did I write? <laughs> and you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar. And that is within the veil. And you shall serve. I give your priesthood as a gift. And any outsider who comes near shall be put to death. This was also... I also studied this in the... Was it in the 11th hour as well? Huh. When did I study this? When I when I was reading Numbers chapter 18 about the priests. Oh yeah. Okay. And yeah, I think it's the 11th hour. About the priest and the inheritance that we, the the priests and his family, his sons and the Levitical priesthood the inheritance that God promises. God tells them like, when you read Numbers 18, everything that belongs to God, everything that is holy, that belongs to God, that is given from by the Israelites to God, belongs to the priests. He also gives instructions. But during that study, 
I highlighted this part where in Numbers chapter 18 verse 7, And you and your sons with you shall guard your priesthood for all that concerns the altar, and that is, and that is within the veil. Now I came across veil and I was like, hmm, okay. During the 11th hour episode, while I scribbled down, is this the 11th hour episode? I think this is the overturn episode. During the overturn episode, while well, I was thinking about this question, I asked myself this question. This is the last episode, right? Overturn. I asked myself, okay, okay, okay. So there's a temple. Jesus comes and claims to be the temple, claims that his body is the temple. So this is a question. I was like, okay, Jun, think about this. Jesus as the temple, when he chases away the people selling at the temple, the much the people selling things, buying and selling, what did that mean symbolically or, or spiritually? Like, is there any connection between, is there something deeper that can be learned, something meaningful that makes sense when in connection with Jesus himself being the temple? Like, how can I understand the, um, the like the natural stroke physical aspect of an actual temple and Jesus going into the temple and having the authority to cast people out, like to drive people out because I highlighted the word drive out. It's like driving out the, what is unclean, like the demons, you know. Mm-hmm. That word was usually used for demons. So Jesus drove out those who were buying and selling. So anyway, that's the overturn question. So from that... <laughs> So from the 11th hour, I was like, hmm, okay, the priesthood, the veil, okay. And then the next episode, Overturn, I asked myself, okay, Jesus is the temple. And I remember drawing this guy, I have like a small, very, <laughs> very small um, amateur drawing of the temple. Literally just three squares connected together. Not squares, like, yeah. I can call them squares. So I separated it as the courtyard, the holy place, and the most holy of holies. And I was trying to understand if Jesus is, if this is pointing to Jesus' body. Again, this is not the first time I tried to think about this when it comes to the temple and how it's pointing to Jesus. But in the Overton um, study, I was like, okay, what? what can I learn from this? And that was the overturn episode. I'm not going to go back to that. Now, after that, I had written down these notes while studying um, the 11th hour and the overturn episode. This Numbers chapter 18 verse 7. And, the, and God is telling the priesthood to guard the altar, right? Whatever concerns the altar. And that Whatever is within the veil. Now, from this uh, small drawing I did, and after checking online and also reading the numbers verses where the temple is described, how it's supposed to be divided. Tabernacle. We see like after the courtyard, okay, before you before entering the tent of meeting, there's a gate. Then you enter the gate and you find like a an altar I'm trying to remember because I haven't drawn those details an altar and a, and water a bowl a, a large bowl with water 
where the where you clean yourself the priest would clean themselves and then sacrifice any sacrifice given to them by the people so the people were welcomed in the old, the courtyard right the courtyard surrounded this sent the center and the center is the holy place and the most holy of holies now while you're in the courtyard only the levitical priests like the sons of aaron right those who are serving were the ones who are allowed to enter the holy place now what separated the courtyard and the holy place is a cutting right like an entryway is like a, a cutting a veil now that's the first veil if i can say like quote unquote vast veil and then only the high priest aaron is supposed to enter the most holy of holies but only once a year during the um, day of atonement yeah is it leviticus 14 i always forget maybe 16 or 14 the day of atonement only that that's once a year that's when someone is allowed to enter the most holy of holies where the ark of the covenant is and the cherubim the mercy seat that entire thing where the glory of god sits on the the mercy seat now that that person who who's the only one allowed is the high priest in this case it was aaron right aaron now between the holy place and the most holy of holies there's another veil it's not just like a, an open space an open space 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 <laughs> i continue it's not it's not just an open space right there's a second veil now with this idea of a veil I then went back to the question I had. Oh, wait a minute. The ephod is what the um the is a, it's part of the garment, the like the apron like garment the high priests, only the high priests, not the other priests, but the high priests. It's what the high priest puts on. And then on top of the ephod there is a breast piece, breastplate, breast piece with the um the 12 tribes of Israel symbolized by crystals stones precious stones that was interesting <laughs> i was like okay okay but then to start with my thought process my study I focused more on the veil. Like, is there anything that is connected to the Holy Spirit when it comes to the veil? And so I drew another kind of very um, rough um, drawing of the temple. So where I can see the gate and then the two veils. So it's like one triangle, rectangle, triangle, rectangle, one, one rectangle divided twice. So there are three spaces now right those space those those um divisions those two lines in the middle those are the two veils just to like roughly describe that but then i remembered okay i don't have anything really connecting the veil and the holy spirit but maybe <laughs> cuz I, I wrote down okay okay 
for you to enter the most holy of holies you have to like it's like going deeper or like going way up a hill to like most top right because like the garden of eden is symbolized by like a mountain mount zion right where you like there are levels so i'm like okay maybe you're going like you see how we're told like the holy spirit reveals to us the depths of god maybe like you it's like um i'm saying like a lot okay it's um for example i want to say like it's this is verse i'm trying to remember okay um you see like peeling an onion the different layers and the deeper you go okay an onion emisha they did i don't think an onion is the best way to describe it but it's like layers but then with god it's you get the way told the holy spirit reveals to us the mind of christ the depth of god so i was thinking maybe maybe the veils symbolize that with the holy spirit but then i hit it i was like nah i don't think so because there is a very specific and direct verse in hebrews I think I'll I'll write these names in the show notes the verses So there's a verse where Jesus's body is what um the curtain symbolizes the curtain aka the veil right And I'm like okay because at the cross his up uh, when he, when he breathed out his last and there was this darkness and we are told at the temple the curtain of the temple was torn in half from top to bottom or bottom from top to bottom so i'm like okay 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 makes sense because now we have access right in hebrews we are told we have now access to enter the most holy of holies that place where only Aaron could enter the high priest could enter everyone now who believes who is following Christ has access to the most holy of holies has access to the throne of God to the mercy seat to the altar to the what what's the other name starts with a c covenant box right which symbolizes the altar that's where even like in the i think when i was listening to these um, archaeological archaeological like youtube videos archaeologies no what do you call them i forgot the word and the history channels how they when they when they are studying the um ancients and some of their temples some of them would have like a like a seat made of stone or like a if it's in the temple it's like a seat a separate distinct chair like stone right that would be empty no no actually it wouldn't be empty only the israelites had an empty seat they would put up the the um the statues of their god on that seat that's where their gods would sit 
others like i think egyptians and also like for example the hebrews and others i think semitic tribes i'm not sure they they had like a covenant box and that covenant box acted as the throne of their god and like they would have also things inside that covenant box now with the israelites god told them this is how it is my my guys <laughs> my people you're not going to place anything on top of that mercy seat on top of, on top of that covenant box because that's where i will sit i am not a statue that you're going to place on top of that covenant box don't bring any offering or whatever on top of that covenant box my glory will rest on top of the mercy seat right so it was quote unquote empty like there wasn't any physical thing right for the israelites what was i talking about oh yeah so when jesus dies his body being broken and physically the temple the at the temple the curtain tearing in two hebrew the hebrew teacher is telling us yeah the curtain symbolizes the body of christ now we are allowed there's no separation between us and god we are allowed to enter boldly before god's throne to like commune with god right so that's beautiful and it makes even more sense because jesus is that he is the curtain his body is like the temple one let's start from there the entire thing the entire temple and tabernacle tent of meeting points to Christ's body because he says um tear down this temple and I'll build it back up in 3 days and then the people are like yo that's so disrespectful <laughs> no they didn't say that they were like it took us like 46 it took us f- i want to stop saying like why am i saying like so much it took 46 years to build this temple why like what makes you think you can do it in 3 days right paraphrasing so then i think it's john the book the gospel according to john john is explaining after that statement that the people say it took 46 years john says so jesus says tear down this temple i'll build it back up in 3 days but it took 46 years how dare you say you can do it in 3 days who do you think you are and then john says they didn't understand jesus was talking about his body that would be torn down right like that would die and resurrect on the third day will be brought back up on the third day right so if jesus's body is the temple then everything about the temple i want to say is in christ does that sentence make sense if jesus's body a equals b jesus's body equals the temple then b equals a then everything everything in the temple equals Jesus's body and say everything in Jesus's body but i think you just saying Jesus's body makes sense meaning is that meaning the curtain also points to Jesus's body 
the loaves of bread that are in the holy place on the table points to Jesus's body um what else was on the nini was there wine I think there was wine it points to Jesus's blood right his body um what else was in the um as in everything points to Jesus's body but then remember my question is the ephod and the holy spirit so after i started seeing more of Jesus's body and not the holy spirit i was like okay maybe maybe let me think <laughs> i continue thinking um i wrote down okay we see like there are three that testify i remember what what did i study oh i was listening back to one of my episodes which episode was that the kitambo episode and then i came across this part where i read i think it's first john chapter 5 verse 5 if it's correct i w- that would be like that would be so nice that I've remembered that verse that quickly. Let me let me check. First John about the three that testify on earth and three that testify in heaven. First John chapter five verse five. <laughs> Amazing. So let me start from verse one. Although I'm not going to like linger on this part because I haven't really. I didn't focus more on this, but I think reading from verse 1 will make sense as to why I even thought about this. So, first John chapter 5 verse 5 from verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is the love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Okay, this is a verse now. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who comes by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not just, he did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth the spirit is the truth right for there are three that testify the spirit the water and the blood and the three are in agreement there's a footnote i think king james also asks nini adds this late manuscripts of the vulgate they have this verse verse 8 and then there are three that testify in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there, there, and there are three that testify on earth. 
the in brackets not found in any greek manuscripts before the 14th century so those are testified on as the spirit the water and the blood and the three are in agreement okay so that's what i wrote down the three that testify on earth is the spirit the water and the blood and the three that testify in heaven the father the, the word and the spirit so you need the word yeah okay so just should i continue reading we accept human testimony but god's testimony is greater because it is a testimony of god which he has given about his son okay so after listening to that episode that i can't remember where i was studying this was it between the lines i don't know but it was during it's that season of between the lines and look up during the it's that those episodes um so what i understood from here at that time and i think i think my i i still stick by this even now so the three that testify on earth the spirit the water and the blood like jesus came by water and by blood so my understanding is his birth and his death he was born of the same way he tells John in John chapter 3 Jesus tells Nick you have to be born of the flesh and born of the spirit born from above born of God and we we keep we, uh, we started this by being told for everyone born of God overcomes the world right everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is that Jesus is the Christ is born of God So this is pointing me back to John chapter 3 where, where Jesus himself talks to Nick and tells him you have to be born from above you have to be born of God spirit gives birth to spirit and flesh gives birth to flesh you have to be born of water and of the spirit right born of water meaning you have to be born of the flesh your mother has to give birth to you but then you have to be born again born of the spirit right born from above now jesus is not born from the spirit well he kind of like his my point is this when jesus when jesus is born of the flesh when jesus is when mary gave birth to jesus jesus himself is born of the holy seed right the holy spirit let me actually google that verse i think it's isaiah where i came across holy seed holy seed hi isaiah bible verse isaiah chapter 6 verse 13 but yet a tenth will be in it this is king james let me open isaiah chapter 6 verse 13 Okay and though a tenth remains in the land it will again be laid waste but as the terebinth and oak leaves stumps when they are cut down so the holy seed will be the stump in the land the holy seed 
my understanding from I had I think at that time was it this I think this was prayer the study prayer that's when I came across Isaiah chapter 6 if I'm not wrong and my understanding of that entire chapter was Jesus is the one is the holy seed right that grows that the tree that grows the holy seed that grows and the tree is cut and the stump is left and the stump grows back it resurrects the tree resurrects the the, the stump meaning there's still there's still an opportunity for the tree to grow but then that's why the stump is left right because it will grow back this holy seed whose tree is now cut down it will grow back to resurrect now jesus is born of the holy seed the holy spirit right so at his birth at his like um his conception um jesus is born of the holy spirit right but he's also born of a woman under the law that's galatians i think chapter 4 he is born of a woman under the law so that he can redeem those who are under the law so jesus has been born of the flesh but he's no normal human being the seed that bore him is the holy seed and i think i touched on that when in this other episode not really an episode it's literally one page it's a brief study that i'm trying to think about when it comes to overshadowing because in luke chapter 1 verse 35 we see and the angel answered her answered mary the holy spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the child to to be born will be called holy the son of god so my point when it comes to the holy seed is jesus tells us you have to be born of water and born of the spirit you have to be born by your earthly mother you're you're alive okay good now you have to be born from above born of god now what when in john chapter first john chapter 5 we talked about what testifies to christ what is this that points to christ that testifies um, Jesus was telling the people, like you're going to the scriptures to search for life. You cannot, in, what, like, why can't you? I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Why can't you interpret the times? You're going to the scriptures to search for life, and I'm here, and you are not coming to me for life. Literally, the scriptures are talking about me. They're testifying to me. The scriptures are testifying about me. You know, and you're not coming to me for life. And Jesus says, actually, John tes- John the Baptist, he testifies about me. But that's, that's not even it. I have a weightier testimony than that of John. God the Father. The Father testifies about me. So we have the scriptures, John the Baptist, the Father. And then Jesus says, okay, fine. You don't believe I am who, who I say I am? At least look at my the works that I am doing, the miracles that I am doing. My works testify about me. 
Okay, then we add to the list. Okay, so it's John the Baptist, the works that he's doing, the scriptures, the father, right? And then Jesus later tells us that you, my disciples, you, you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit testifies about me and you also will testify about me because you are with me. So even us, the disciples, his disciples, by the power of the Holy Spirit that testifies, right, through us, to us. Um, we are also added to the list. But right here we are told, like, the coming of Christ, there are three that testify. Like, these are the major three that testify. On earth, it's water, blood, and spirit. The spirit. Water this is my understanding right now, considering what Jesus tells Nick and the other scriptures that I can't think of right now. Um, so Jesus tells us that he, what testified, was his birth. One, his birth was the scriptures. You see the scriptures that were testifying about Jesus, the coming Messiah that was to be born. The son, the son, son that was to be born think it's Micah chapter what five I forgot let me actually see if I can find it Bethlehem Bethlehem Ephrata Micah Micah chapter five verse two okay let me read the verse <clears throat> Micah chapter five verse two verse two but you Bethlehem, this is the Old Testament, right? Okay. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are as you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Let me see. Where was I? Yeah, verse 3. Therefore Israel will be abandoned. Okay, there's a continuation. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So we see the scriptures have been testifying, pointing to the birth of Christ. This one who will be born in Bethlehem. The root of David. That stamp from the Holy Seed. Right? So the birth of Jesus, the actual revelation and manifestation of Jesus on earth was through his birth into the world. So his birth testifies about Christ. His death testifies about Christ. Actually, let me before even his death, the birth of God testifies, testifies about Christ, the birth of Christ. The Holy Spirit because remember what else was testifying on earth? The Father, yes. And the Spirit. One during his baptism, right? The Spirit came upon him as a dove and the Father spoke that this is my Son. In him I am well pleased. And also the Spirit walked through Christ by performing the miracles. The power that Christ had, the one that he told the, Holy, the, the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until god the father sends his power from on high the same power that i had you will perform even greater miracles but you need him you need the spirit of truth wait for him 
right? So that was Pentecost when they received the power from on high. Now that power testified about Christ. Right? We see even Peter, before Jesus tells Peter, um, stay behind me, stand behind me, get behind me, Satan. When Jesus asked, what do other people say I am? Who do people think I am? Say I am. And they're like, oh, they think you're Elijah. They think you're the prophet. They think you're, I don't know if they say John the Baptist, but like they think you're just one of them, right? But then Peter says, no, no. And then Jesus asks, who do you say I am? And Peter answers and says, you're the Holy One, the Son of God. Oh man, I've forgotten. Who do you say I am? Let me Google. Who do you say I am? Bible verse. Matthew chapter 16. Who do you say I am? This is, which is verse Matthew 16, verse 15. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, bar Jonah, for this was not revealed to you. Wait, who was testifying here? This was not revealed to you by man, but my fa- but by my Father in heaven. See how the Father continuously testifies about Christ? So, there are these moments where we see, okay, the Father is testifying about Christ. And the Holy Spirit is also testifying about Christ. So, when I read First John chapter 5, and I see Jesus, um, verse 6, this is not, this is the one who came. He came. How did Jesus come? He came by water and by blood. Right? He did not come by water only but by water and blood and it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth okay now this is all leading to the ephod by the way but i didn't think i'd go in in depth with this verse but let me just explain myself because i think it will make sense eventually so jesus came by water right he's born of the flesh and then the spirit testifies right because later we're going to see for there are three that testify the spirit the water and the blood okay the spirit testifies the water testifies what about the blood jesus's blood how does blood testify about christ even in the old testament now that i'm thinking about it by the way i didn't think through this like i didn't think about this but now that i think about it in the old testament the entire tabernacle from the initial thing of the tabernacle and sacrifices it was all about the blood actually even before that god telling noah there's life in the blood there's life in the blood who is life jesus says i am the way the truth the way once it's pointing to the gate and the veil right i am the way the truth and the life so way before even sacrifices were enacted, the blood was testifying. We also see Abel's blood um, crying out to God. So somehow we know that Abel has been killed by Cain. 
But then God is saying that Abel's blood is crying out from the ground. So when somebody dies, their blood testifies, cries out. Interesting. I'm actually thinking about that right now. Because <laughs> Jesus also says, <laughs> all these verses are streaming in Sahih. Jesus says to the disciples, no, no, to the people, and I think the Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees and woe to you, right? Those verses, I think I read that in the Overton, the previous study. He says like, you who killed the prophets, you killed the blood of Abel and the blood of Zachariah, I think, you, the one that you killed at the temple. Like their blood, their blood, the blood of the prophets is still testifying. Because you see also in Revelations, the martyrs, those who are killed because of their testimony of Christ, the spirit of prophecy, right, that prophesies about Christ. Those who died, we see that they are at the altar. They are in, they're within, they're, oh gosh, I can't even speak. They're in God's presence. And we're told that they're at the altar, meaning this physical um i feel like (coughs) coughing so the this physical temple that was here even in hebrews we are told by the way there's a spiritual there's a heavenly temple the one that moses saw while he was in the um, mountain yeah the one that god told him to copy the blueprint of right and then come here and use earthly materials to copy that. So this physical temple here is a shadow of what is true, what is real. So that is Hebrews. Okay. So then, the blood. The blood that testifies. But then we, we, we see like Jesus came by water and by blood. How is Jesus born of water and of blood? By coming, I, I am assuming Jesus came by water and by blood. And in the very beginning, we are told you you have to be born of God. So it's about that being birthed, right? So Jesus came by flesh, born of water. And that water testifies. The spirit testifies. And the blood, his blood testifies about Christ. Because he is that root, that stamp from the holy seed where the tree regenerates. Is that the word? Um, Where the tree grows back, resurrects. So Jesus is the first fruits of the new creation. A tree that bears fruit. A tree that, quote unquote, gives birth. To fruit. So Jesus has been now born again as the first fruit of the new creation. So he came first by water, which testifies, testified about him. The spirit on earth while he was alive testified about him. And by his death and resurrection, that blood testified and still testifies about Christ. And the Spirit is everywhere from the beginning, from his birth, to his life, to his death, and even to his resurrection. Because we are told the Spirit 
is the one that raised Christ from the dead. And Christ also tells us that he lays his life down and he is the same one that takes it up again. Meaning he raises himself from the dead. And remember I've just read like the spirit is is the truth. Here verse 6. He did not come by water only but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. Who else claims to be the truth? Jesus saying I am the way, the truth and the life. And I think this is also... I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because I saw something with the ephod, with this entire study. I actually didn't think it would take this long. How long? 48 minutes, okay. So, from this study, I'm seeing, okay, Jesus, the, the three that testify on earth. Because the reason why I wrote this verse down is because of the Holy Spirit. Because I remembered, oh, wait, Jesus is, is a temple... Okay, well, he was here. We're told like that three that testify. And the Holy Spirit testify both, testifies both in heaven and on earth. Because the three that testify on earth is the spirit, the blood, and the water. And then the three that testify in heaven is the Father, the Word, yeah, the scriptures, but also Christ. Christ is the Word, the living Word. And the Spirit. That was like interesting. Okay. Okay, so the spirit is, con- he's, he's everywhere. Like he's, he is, he is the spirit. <laughs> like he's, I did say the essence and I'm like, he is, because God is spirit. So of course, if we want to know God, we have to know God through the spirit. Because he's the one who knows the depths of God. He's everywhere. Right? So I was like, okay. After John chapter, after this verse, <clears throat> I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let me go back to the very beginning of my thought process. So I started off by thinking, okay, the ephod, is it connected to the Holy Spirit in any way? Then me think, think, think. And then I drew a very carafe's, um sketch of the temple with the two veils, the curtains. Then I, I wrote down um, next to the curtain, I said, okay, Jesus' body is the veil. Okay. Then I was like, hmm. Can the two veils symbolize like the more you're going deeper into like the most holy of holies? Like to get to that point, like it's like you're going to the depths of God. Like you're and like um, God is being revealed the more steps you take into the temple and so i was like maybe that's why we're told like the holy spirit reveals to us the depths of god let me read that verse can i f- let me see if i can remember maybe it's romance that's all i have i don't know maybe ephesians the holy spirit reveals the hidden things okay daniel Daniel chapter 2 verse 22. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth in him. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Okay. I think it's Romans chapter 11 verse 33. 
Let me open. Let me open in the app. Romans chapter eleven, verse thirty-three. Doxology. What is this? Hmm. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. There's another verse. It's not this one. Let me just write my sentence. The Holy Spirit reveals to us the depths of God, the mind of Christ, Bible verse First Corinthians chapter two verse ten to sixteen First Corinthians First Corinthians chapter two verse ten to sixteen First Corinthians Okay So the verse is <coughs> Let me read from verse 6. Should I read from verse 1? <laughs> Let me read First Corinthians chapter 2, the entire chapter. It's brief. And so, it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, this is Paul, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. So, he's a disciple who's also testifying, right? Okay. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Okay, so the Spirit is testifying. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among us, among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory for before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Wait, before I read this verse, why am I here? I was, well, I was thinking about the veil and the curtains of the temple that separate the most holy of holies with the holy place. 
I was like, hmm, might it point to like how the Holy Spirit reveals to us the depths of God? So this is the verse, verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For, in quotes, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Let me actually write this verse down. Not the first Corinthians chapter two. So that I remember if I'm scrolling. Okay. So I came across that and I was like, hmm, okay, okay. Where else do I remember seeing the spirit? And I remembered there are three that testify on earth and there are three that testify in heaven. On earth it's the spirit, the blood and the water. In heaven is the Father, the Word and the Spirit. And I was like, okay, okay. Now, I was like, okay, let me go back to the, to the priesthood garments, right? When with the ephod, what am I seeing there? So this is what I've written down. The ephod is worn by the high priest. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so the ephod is worn by the high priest. In my mind, what there are these sections that I have now in my mind. Again, I can draw them down here. But just to give a visual of what is happening in my thought process and in my notebook. When I see the high priest, I'm first seeing Jesus. And then the physical high priest, whoever it is. Maybe it's Aaron. After Aaron, I don't know it was who. Eliezer, there was another name, another guy. Numbers chapter 19. The one who sacrifices the red heifer. That guy. I don't know if he's a high priest. Okay. My point is there were many there were other high priests after Aaron, right? Um the sons of Aaron that took up that mantle, that role. But it's point the high priest position and the roles of the high priest, they're pointing to Jesus. Okay. The temple and everything in the temple and the functions of the temple and the tabernacle. When I say temple, I mean tabernacle as well, pointing to Jesus. Okay, so I was like, okay, what about the ephod? Is it pointing to Jesus? Is it pointing to the Holy Spirit? Even though I'm sure it's pointing to Jesus, which is something I saw, I had not seen. But I'm also seeing it pointing to the Holy Spirit. So I was like, okay, okay. I drew a very rough, rough sketch of this apron-like garment, right? So um, it's an apron. I'm, I'm seeing an apron, right? Um, you can Google these things. Whoever is listening. 
sometimes I forget I'm not talking to myself. So these are freely available. Like the images are free, right? You can just Google the priestly garments or ephod and stuff and you'll see. So it's like this apron garment and there is a breast piece, like a triangular metallic kind of I don't know if it was metallic but there is a triangular piece that is placed on the chest attached on the ephod but on the chest that's the breast piece and on that breast piece there are four rows right in total there are 12 stones in four rows for like Rows 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And these 12, they symbolize the 12 tribes of Israel. And I was like, okay. And on the shoulder of this ephod, this garment, this cloak, this apron, on the shoulders of the high priest, where this ephod is, there are two stones. <clears throat> one on the right shoulder, the other one on the left shoulder shoulder and so i wrote down okay the breast piece 12 tribes of israel okay hmm and so what i saw was after actually drawing this down i was like jesus is the high priest correct correct so meaning he's the only one wearing this aka as a high priest is the, the high priest is the only one wearing this garment what does this mean when it's when it comes to Jesus and his body? So, the high priest walks in the temple. Oh my God, this is so. You see, like how I'm just from reading, like the the spirit of God reveals the depths of God. This is insane, insanely good. So, Jesus is the temple. And he's the high priest who is allowed to enter even into the most holy of holies. Correct? Correct. Now, the high priest is wearing this thing on him. There's another garment, of course, but this is on top of that garment. This is on top of that um, garment. The ephod with the breast piece. So the high priest is carrying the 12 tribes on him. As he goes into the temple. And he's still carrying the 12 tribes of Israel. The children of God. I'm just from reading those who are born of God as those who believe Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Messiah. So those who are born of God. The children of God are being carried by Christ into the most holy of holies. Into God's presence. That makes so much sense because we are told we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Let me Google that. It's a long time since I found that verse. Seated with Christ in the heavenly. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 
let me read from verse from verse one as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient the prince of the world verse 3 all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath but because of his great love for us god who is rich in mercy made us alive with christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and god raised up this is literally what i've been saying and god raised us up with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in emphasis on in christ jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in christ jesus so this high priest walks around god's presence the 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 temple and can enter into the most holy of holies right and actually it's even more symbolic when you think about it because that one time of the year the day of atonement the high priest was entering there to sprinkle the blood of the pure lamb on top of the mercy seat and i think on an altar but that's what i remember on top of the mercy seat the one time the one time the high priest is allowed to enter into the most holy of holies it's only once a year and it's to sprinkle innocent blood of a lamb on top of the mercy seat that's why the blood testifies because Jesus is blood Jesus is that sacrifice Jesus is the high priest Jesus is the veil Jesus is everything because in him through him by him for him everything was created he created everything by him for him through him in him he is he is life itself there cannot be life cannot exist without christ so even for us to live forever we have to be in him and now he came to show us how we can be in him he told us there's nothing you can do there's literally nothing you can do to buy your eternal life to buy yourself eternal life there's nothing there are no works no good deeds that qualify anyone to be in god's presence 
It's only by grace. God literally gives us a gift. And this gift had to come through sacrifice. So for me to enter the most holy of holies, I have to I have to be in the high priest, aka on the high priest, the ephod, the breastpiece. But that's my point. I have to be in Christ. The the holy one is the only one who's allowed in the holy place, the most holy of holies. And because I'm not holy, Christ cleans me up, Ephesians chapter 5. Right? Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He sacrificed himself for his bride to make her holy by cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. So for me to enter the most holy of holies, for me to be able to enter at any time now, the high priest, the human high priest, Aaron and his his gang, his sons thereafter, could only enter once a year. But because Jesus is the holy one, and in him we are made holy, we can, and the curtain has been torn by the, by the, not crushing, by the, tearing of his body he sacrificed himself to make us holy that's why we can be born of God those who believe in his finished works because our works our good deeds are not enough to be to allow us even at millisecond in God's presence because again the most holy of holies is where God's presence was resting or sitting right among the children of Israel that's not the only place God was like God was not only in the tent of meeting no so when I drew this very rough illustration of the ephod and the breast piece and the 12 tribes I'm seeing like okay Jesus has put on the 12 tribes what does that mean? The 12 tribes of Israel is the chosen nation from the world. The nation that has been set apart. Why? God continuously tells Moses and the Israelites, I want to make you holy. These rules are to set you apart from the rest, to differentiate you from the rest. You need to be different from the rest. So that you can be able to access me. So that, I can, so that I, the Holy God, can be able to live among you, dwell among you. You need to be clean. And there are these sacrifices you need to do. It's clear that they're not forgiving your sins. Right, completely. But this is something that you need to understand. That in my presence, you need to be clean. You need to get that first. Now, when I set you apart, it's not just so that you can become the the apple of my eye and I'm forgetting about my other creation. No, 
I'm literally sending you out as sheep into wolves, into a den of wolves. God chooses so that he can free the majority. God chooses the, sets apart the, the small group so that he can use them to free the, the, the large group. So the Israelites were supposed to be consecrated as a priesthood so that God can send them out into the nations so that the prophecies that God kept telling all these other prophets about the nations will come to me. This is um, Zechariah. The nations will come to me, many nations will come to me, and I will surround them and cover them. Like my dwelling will be among those who are my people. And my people are not just Israelites. And this was fulfilled through Christ and his disciples, because Christ's disciples and Christ were children of Israel who were sent out like sheep among wolves, into the world to make disciples. That's why there are no Jews or Gentiles in Christ. Because from the very beginning, God was God was renewing his relationship with mankind, not one group of mankind, the entire mankind. I think it's Zechariah chapter 2, if I'm not wrong. Let me scroll, where we see like all the nations come together. Perfect. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 10. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming. This is Yahweh speaking. This is the part where Yahweh is talking to Yahweh. I love it. <laughs> okay, let me just read this part. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming. Who is coming? Yahweh. And I will live among you. The word became flesh and tabernacled and dwelt among them. I will like the same way God builds, instructs for a, a tabernacle to be built among his people. In the midst of his people. So shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming and I will live among you. And again, let me pause for a minute. This is Zachariah. This is literally at the... This is way after Moses, way after Aaron, way after David, way after, way after. So God's plan clearly was not just to have a temple among the, the among Israel or Judah. Like, no. Because God is still prophesying that he is coming to be among his people. And then he says, verse 11, many nations will be joined joined with the lord i really I, I really want to see if this word joined is like like the same as like the one flesh we are one now jesus says um we are we are coming my father and i were coming to make our home in you we will be in you so in zachariah 
the prophet is saying, like the, the Lord is prophesying and saying, many nations, not only the Israel nation, but many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and will become my people. They will join. They will become my people. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be still before the Lord, O mankind, because he has aroused himself from his holy dwelling. So God has aroused himself from his holy dwelling in the heavens. And he's coming here to live among his people, those who are born of God, those who are joined to him. And then it starts off by saying, I am coming to you, declares the Lord. I will live among you, declares the Lord. And then in verse 11, he says, I will live among you and you will know that the Lord, this is the Lord speaking, the Lord will live among you, I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. So the Lord has been sent by the Lord Almighty. Yahweh, and this is caps. The, the place where I'm reading Lord, it's all caps, meaning it's the, the name Yahweh. So Yahweh is speaking and saying, I am coming and I'm going to live among you. And then Yahweh is saying, many nations will be joined to me, Yahweh, in the day, in that day, and, and will become my people. I, Yahweh, will live among you and you will know that Yahweh Almighty has sent me to you. How can Yahweh send Yahweh? We see, we see so clearly where well, we see... <laughs> John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him is born of God will not die but will have everlasting Christ everlasting life. So for uh, John 3.16 for, for Yahweh so loved the world that he sent his, his one and only son, Yahweh. So Yahweh sent Yahweh. Right? So it's, I love the fact that when I read the Bible, I can clearly see that the New Testament is not different from the Old Testament. This is the same God. The God of the Old Testament is the same God who in the Old Testament prophesied about a new covenant the covenant is a testament in the old covenant he prophesied about a new covenant that's jeremiah right and even i think isaiah about a new covenant where he was he is going to pour out his spirit and sons and daughters will prophesy and old and young men will have dreams and visions so in this new covenant he he reveals his plan even more by being born of a woman under the law to redeem, to buy back 
those who are under the law from enslavement of sin galatians right this is amazing so when i was scribbling this card drawing of the ephod so i'm seeing okay so the body of christ is symbolized by the garments of the the high priest this ephod with the breast piece and the 12 tribes of israel symbolized by the the um the stones the precious stones on the breast piece and this is the same garment the high priest is entering going back and forth into the temple and into yeah the holy place and sacrificing with and going even into the most holy of holies with right and so i'm seeing that but then remember my question is is there anything that's pointing to the holy spirit so then i saw this <laughs> i remembered i haven't found the verse i'll look for it we have written we are held together in christ's body by the spirit so you see let me how we are in christ right that's the only way we are allowed to to be in the holy of holies in god's presence we are in the holy one we are made clean by the one who has no blemish like christ so how are we in christ I think it's first Corinthians chapter 12. Let me read that verse. First Corinthians chapter 12 where we see that how how um there are many members in the body in the one body. First Corinthians chapter 12 <laughs> concerning the spiritual gifts. Okay, verse 12. Let me scroll from verse 12. just as a body though one has many parts but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ okay so now paul is telling us about Christ's body it has many parts but it's one body okay verse 13 for this is the the, the verse that i'm talking about for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles slave or free we were all given the one spirit to drink even so the body is not made up <clears throat> of one part but of many and then he continues talking about another verses so that's my point how are we in Christ how can Christ how can Christ say like I'll be in you and you'll be in me and we'll be one just as him and the father are one how is that possible it's by the by the the holy spirit we are baptized by one spirit so as to form one body so when i see the ephod i think in my head i'm like i think the ephod is pointing to the holy spirit because the breast piece where the 12 tribes of israel the 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 stones are it's attached to the ephod and that ephod is what the priest the high priest puts on so jesus is the high priest 
who puts on the effort, aka the Holy Spirit, and in the Holy Spirit, the children of Israel, aka those who are born of God, the children of the followers of Christ, are baptized, are connected, are attached. That's why Jesus can tell us, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm sending the spirit of truth. Right? We are all given that one spirit to drink. This is pointing me back to, let me see if I can remember, John chapter 7 verse 37. About the water of life. Jesus saying, those who are thirsty come to me. Because it's one spirit to drink, right? So let's see what this drinking is. So... Verse 30. Verse 37. John seven thirty-seven. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, and as scripture has said, the scriptures that testify to him, rivers of living water, will flow from within them. Verse 39. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified, okay, died and resurrected. Right? So people are confused and they're like, on hearing his words, some people say, hey, surely this, this is a prophet. Others are saying, I... This is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Still others are asking, how can, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem? You see, then they were expecting the town where David lived. Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him and kill him, but no one laid a hand on him. so my question is is the effort in any way pointing to the holy spirit and i think i've answered my question yes and again i was talking about the holy spirit being the spirit of truth and jesus being the truth you see this effort there is a belt <laughs> and the, all this is pointing to like um let me write this down the armor of god but there's the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith. What else? The sword of, which is a word of the spirit. The sword is a word of the spirit. Um, the word which is by the spirit. And then the shoes uh, for the readiness to spread the good news of peace. And then there's the praying without ceasing. Praying in the spirit. Have I missed anything? Hopefully not. But you see there's a belt. Now this high priest has his garments, right? There's this white garments and then on top of that I think there's a bluish garment. And then he puts on the ephod. <clears throat> and this ephod is a, um, whatever is attached to the ephod is this breast piece. But also there's a belt that ties, that, um, that the high priest ties around his waist. Right? That holds the ephod. 
together like um that um it's like a belt that the ephod cannot like move around so the belt ties it together so i'm like in the armor of god literally we're told to put on the armor of god and we are called priests and if we are in christ I think this belt is also pointing to the belt of truth. Because I, I read in First John chapter 5 that the spirit is the truth. And then in John chapter, if I'm not wrong, John chapter 14 or 16. We see that the spirit is the spirit of truth. <clears throat> we see John chapter... Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So in John chapter 14, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, right? He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask. Let me actually read the entire John chapter 14 because this is also talking about the temple. This is how I see it, right? Jesus is the temple. So when he talks about his father's house, I'm just from reading Zechariah, God's holy dwelling, him coming to live among his people. Him having, building this. So, his people, and then I'm, I come to understand. <clears throat> okay. How will we be in Christ? How will we be joined? <coughs> Sorry. How will we be joined with Yahweh? We'll be in him. That's how we'll be joined. <laughs> it's amazing. Can you imagine uh, uh, somebody saying, I'm joined with my God. That's why people are trying to kill Jesus. Because he's calling himself God in all these things, right? Like the, the Nimis he's saying. But then Jesus welcomes us into communion with God. Like it's insane. It's it's insane. It's the levels. Okay. So in John chapter 14. Jesus is talking about his father's house. Hmm. Let's see where his father is. Is he in the seventh heaven? Is he in Mars? Jesus says, when you see me, you see the father. Interesting. But then you're from telling us that you're going to the father's house to prepare a place for us. To prepare rooms for us. So where will we live? In rooms? Like a, like, you know, is it a studio space? Is it? But then we are told we are in Christ. You see now how all this is connected? So when I read John chapter 14, I have in mind Jesus is the high priest. We are in him. We are allowed to be in God's presence in Christ. While in Christ, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Meaning he has already prepared a place for us. Right? So I'm like, okay. And then Jesus eventually reveals to his disciples what he's talking about so john chapter 14 do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in god believe also in me <laughs> can you imagine you believe in yahweh believe also in me <laughs> that's why they wanted to kill him because this is a, a very insane statement to just make if he's not claiming to be the messiah so my my father's house was to my father's house <clears throat> has many rooms 
if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also <clears throat> may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. <clears throat> so God is, Jesus is going into the most holy of holies. That's what he's telling us. To prepare a place for us in, in the most holy of holies, in the presence of God, in his father's house, the temple. Okay, what does this mean? So <clears throat> Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? And I think later on Jesus talks about him being the gate. Okay. So how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. The works that testify about him. Okay, Verse 12. Therefore, no, very truly I tell you. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it if you love me keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever Kwanza today's verse I've written down today's verse I'll read that we continue reading so he'll another advocate will be sent by the father will be with us forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you you know him for he lives with you and will be in you i will not leave you as orphans i will come to you hmm. so the spirit is coming to us to live in us jesus is coming to live in us okay before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Because I live, because the root, the stamp. Right? Okay. On that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you 
are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, who is not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Yahweh sent, was sent by Yahweh Almighty. Verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now, before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. So it's based on facts. It's based on truth. On It's not just blind faith. Jesus is saying, it's something is going to happen and you need to understand when it happens. You need to remember that I told you. You need to remember the words, right? Okay. Everything I told you that it will happen. So it's proof. Jesus is saying, I'll be proved right. Verse 30. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Okay. So let me read the the last verse. I think I've explained myself how I see the effort pointing to the Holy Spirit. Right. On the ephod is the breast piece, which has the twelve tribes of Israel, which symbolizes the twelve tribes of Israel. It has um stones, precious stones, which symbolize the twelve tribes of Israel. And this ephod is put on by the high priest while he's performing his priestly duties. He even enters into the most holy of holies with this ephod and the breast piece. Right? And it's held together by a belt the belt of truth the spirit of truth jesus is the truth you see how jesus and his spirit the holy spirit is connected and this same spirit is a spirit that comes from god the father so we see the father the son and the holy spirit working in is the word tandem working working together like Like it's, the, it's Jesus who's coming to live in us. It's the Holy Spirit who's coming to live in us. It's the Father who's coming to make his home in us. And we are in him. We're in Christ. Meaning we're in Christ, in God's presence. If we see Jesus, we see the Father. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, it's the words of Christ. Because we are sanctified by the truth. And God's word is truth. And then we are told, okay, so what's God's word? Jesus is praying to the Father. Saying, Father, sanctify them by the truth. This is John chapter 7. 
17. John 17. Father, sanctify them by the truth. I think it's John 17, 17. <laughs> Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And this same letter, John, starts by saying, talking about who this word is. This, the word is a he. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Later on, we see this word became flesh and dealt among us. So Jesus is the word. And then we are, I'm just from reading in John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit is the, the spirit of truth. And in First John chapter 5, we see that the spirit is the truth. You see how it's all connected? Amazing. So today's verse of the day was Psalms chapter 23 verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see how all these prophecies were pointing, the Psalms were pointing to this new covenant where God comes to dwell among his people and the people are joined to Yahweh. It's the same message. It's the same narrative that God has been speaking. And Jesus says, the scriptures testify about me. The father testifies about me. John the prophet, who says like the lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, who tells people to repent by preparing the way of the Lord, prophesied in Isaiah. The spirit testifies about me. My works testify about me. My death and resurrection testify. Like God's word is based on truth, facts, proof. It's not just something that is. It's not a delusion. It's not like. It's not fake. That's why it makes sense. Everything makes sense when it's based on truth. If something is based, it means it's factual. It makes sense. It's the truth. Right? So, should I title this episode based? <laughs> based meaning. Oh no, did I not? Let me see. Based meaning. Use something, something specified as the foundation or starting point for something. I want to see. Based originally meaning to be yourself and not care about how others view you. The word is now used to indicate an opinion or something that someone agrees with. Especially common in political discussions. <laughs> to be yourself without worrying. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know. I'll find. I'll see what I'll, I'll, um, I'll title the episode. But I think that's it. I think that's all I wanted to share today. 
how I, I, I saw the Holy Spirit um, foreshadowed by the ephod and its function. Because we see the ephod being used to, to um, inquire of God's instructions. By, it's used by the, the kings. Even in Gideon, I think I came across a place where Gideon used the ephod to inquire of God. And on the ephod is this these stones called like the Uvim and the Thumim. Let me see if I've screenshotted. It'll be easier. Urim and the Thumim. Exodus chapter 28, verse 30. So they're still on. They're on this garment. Interesting, right? Because that, that also, the Urim and the Thumim, is another um ephod thing that is another is one of those things that are also used to inquire of god it's like the casting of lot or something anyway i think that's it so thank you god for truth <laughs> thank you for healing thank you thank you um for peace thank you for rest thank you for your guidance thank you for your spirit who is the truth um i know i have fallen short and it's not about my power and my good deeds that um give me access to your presence it's what Jesus did by believing that he is the Christ who died and resurrected for the for the redemption of my sins for the redemption from 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 not the redemption of my sins and through his death I am redeemed from enslavement right that sin does I'm no longer a slave. I'm now a child of God. And it's the spirit that testifies in me about Father. You know, so thank you for your truth. I pray that you continue guiding me and guiding whoever it is that listens. All of them. Cover them and protect them. Provide for them. Speak to them. Guide your bride. The bride that you have made holy and you have sacrificed yourself for a bride that you have covered guide us it's in Jesus name I pray trusting and believing Amen Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode hopefully you'll be joining me every Tuesday for new episodes of the Trying Podcast Stay safe, guys. Bye.